We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. So joining me now here on the Tour Coach, fresh out of the hospital, laying here resting, and there's nobody I like to rest and hang out with than my good friend, Dr. Greg Carton. Doc, what you up to, buddy? Hey, Tony, it's, it's great to hear your voice. I'm glad to hear you're, you're healing up and on the mend and uh, looking forward to catching up soon. Same stuff here, just working away, and uh, not, not much has changed. No, I mean, you know, so over the weekend, it was interesting. I was laying there, got a chance to watch a lot of TV, and, uh, you know, and so obviously I was watching a lot of football, and uh, I found you can still entertain yourself kind of betting on football, watching football <laughs> in a hospital. I don't know if that's what the doctor recommended, but it was okay. Hey, whatever makes you feel good. <laughs> right? I mean, but anyways, wasn't the same as drinking beer with you like at a, and having wings, but it was that's close. Right. But, uh, that's right. But uh, obviously, and then you had all the stuff. You know, the first part was Ricky having a chance to win, which was, yeah. and I think, like, you know, it kind of segued to what happened with Rory winning, but where Ricky really opened up about the ups and downs and the, yeah. Right. And it, sure. it kind of was an interesting weekend to me, the way, you know, Ricky was the first one opening up and then, you know, Rory wins and plays great. And in the middle of watching a little bit of him winning, you know, I started thinking back to how emotional he was at the Ryder cup on that last day. Yeah. And, you know, most people liked it. Some people took shots at him, but, like I, I have nothing but respect for him. I think he's, I think he's got a great perspective on golf, and I do too. And, and then to see how then he's talked about how, you know, he just went back to kind of being himself, and he right. kind of went back to like real. And he, you know, just those comments about thinking he had to be something different and more than himself. And I don't know that many people realize how big a deal that is. How many good players I've watched a number of really good young players really struggle and either not make it if you'll say they not make it or however you want to say it, but because they went and chased something they thought they had to do better. And then, I mean, and we'll get into it too. And I think teachers, we deal with it. All of us deal with it too. And you shared with me, there's another article in Golf Digest about, you know, mental health and, and right in the, out there in the world of golf and the PGA Tour. So it's right. you know, obviously Matthew Wolf and that's just, so I wanted to pick your brain on it. It's very timely, sure. but you and I've had lots of talks recently and over the past year and then as our friendship anyways just about this and you've helped sure. me through some difficult times so i wanted to pick your brain on like i mean this is a real deal it, it is and you know to sort of get into the some of the rory stuff first um you see this all the time we've been talking about this for years it's and we see players who do this it's, it's really seductive to think that there's something better out there and these guys aren't used to struggling you know, right. when they get to this certain point, they, they haven't faced a lot of adversity in their golf careers if you've gotten to that point. And not everybody, but, you know, Most, a lot of those, have, a lot of those have. Sure. And then they face a little bit of adversity, which is normal at that level. 
And then their inclination is to fix it right away. I can't mm-hmm. feel like this anymore. Something's wrong. I have to change it. Right. And then they go down searching on this path. And, and it's time and time again, we see stories like, especially with Rory's and, and the, and the solution is always the same. It's never, I found the magic bullet or I found, finally found something different that worked. It's always, I just went back to doing what I used to do, what felt right. And they find some freedom and some comfort in that. And they start to play better. And we always joke, right? And talk about, say, guys, pay me to have, tell them to do nothing. (laughs) And it sounds sort of cliche and simple, but the hardest thing for golfers or any athlete or performer to do is do nothing when things aren't really, don't feel right. Right. But the answer is always the same. And again, it's not doing nothing. It's sort of returning to themselves and finding themselves again, because that's comfortable and that's liberating. And it's much easier to operate than trying to put on this sort of facade and try to be somebody else or think like somebody else or feel like somebody else or think you need to. Yeah. You know, I've known players that I'm going to use just some examples, but like players that, you know, everything was easy and they always had fun doing it. Right. Right. That's right. Fun. Yeah. And they, they were really good at golf and they did it because it was fun. And then, you know, then it's like they start to struggle. And so then agents and people and everybody, you know, just everybody around like, well, you got to practice more. You got to do more of this. You got to go see this guy. You got to do more of this. And then all of a sudden, you know, and they do that because they look at X, Y, and Z in the top 10 and that's what they do. And so then they do that. And then then the number one thing that a lot of them, several of them to me have said when they, when they've a couple times have quit playing, been well, like it got to where it wasn't fun anymore. That's right. And, and you forget how much, how important the enjoyment aspect is. And I think sometimes high performers are afraid to admit they enjoy it because maybe that sounds like they're not working hard enough or there's mm-hmm. some complacency. I always look at this little model of performance or anything actually that we take on, any endeavor we take on, and there are three components to it, right? There's the success or performance or results piece. There's the enjoyment fulfillment piece and there's the learning piece. And this is Tim Galway who has written some fantastic books in performance. uh, He talks about this in his book on golf and these three components. And most people, and this is something I've been a big believer in since I started this work, assume that we have to achieve something or we have to succeed prior to us enjoying ourselves. Right. So once I win that tournament, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. And what we're learning and seeing is it works the complete opposite. Let's find ways to feel fulfilled and enjoy what we're doing first. And then the results almost don't matter. But oftentimes we actually play better when we're enjoying what we're doing. You ask anyone, you know, you listen to the press conferences up in tournament. I was just having fun out there. Right. I was just enjoying myself. It wasn't that I won and then I was happy. It's vice versa. So we're always chasing results, assuming it and putting off our enjoyment until we succeed. And that's a long road to go down. And that's when guys start to burn out. Yeah. And I, and I think that there, you know, I see you watch young players and it's like, okay, if I get my PGA tour card, then I'm, a, I'll be happy. Right. That's right. right. And that happiness or- it does exist, but it's, it's fleeting. It's temporary because guess what? Now you got to make some money. Now right. you got to win a tournament. Now you got to win another tournament. Now you got to win a major. Now you got to get into the uh, under the Ryder Cup team. And you mm-hmm. get 30 years down the road and look back and have what would look like a really successful career, but you were never happy. 
because you always wanted what was coming next. And I think that if you're not happy, there's an emptiness, right? I mean, and, and you know, you can, I just don't think you can – there's very – I mean, I'm sure there's examples out there of folks who well, have had long careers, made lots of money, and never were very sure, happy. Sure, because they were right? always chasing happiness, chasing happiness. They never stopped to enjoy because they were always chasing the next thing that was going to make them happy. Mm-hmm. That's where the emptiness comes from. Well, let's talk about Rory going back where he said he just so like, and you could see that with him that not the chasing happiness because I think one thing too that has become real obvious over the last several years. You watched him get married and have a kid. Like he a hundred percent found other things that made him as happy as golf, right? Or happier, yeah. right? Yeah. And you saw spurts of brilliant play, but you could also see that there's enormous expectations placed on him because of his ability. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you saw that, like, it's Bryson. He talked a little bit about when Bryson was having them pushing for all that distance. Like, but he, and, and, you know, he went from hitting a draw. He's trying to do, but, like, you know, he tried to change who he was, thinking that that would help him take the next step to winning whatever it is everybody thinks he should win. Right. And yet he has this whatever, you know, this revelation, realization after the Ryder Cup that, you know, that his good is good enough. Rory. Yeah. But yeah. also, Tony, I think it showed that like, he's a human being. And sometimes we forget that, right? Like these performers and high-level performers and successful athletes and business people and artists and musicians, they're human beings before their identity is a human being, not as a performer. Golf is just something these guys do. Right. So meaning they're not immune from experiencing all the emotions and the feelings and the frustrations that normal human beings experience. Right. But because they identify with strictly being a performer, when they face some adversity or some frustration, they assume immediately something's wrong. And the judgment and the doubt starts to creep in. And it's really tough to compete when you're constantly judging yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. So allowing these people to be humans first, seeing Rory express some emotion, says a kid watching it on TV, oh, that's okay to be upset there's nothing wrong with me for shooting a bad number and getting upset after I'm a human being. So I'm not going to judge myself for feeling all these things that humans are supposed to feel. And now it's a little bit easier to navigate the troubles that are the frustrations and all the challenges that we face in life. Agree. Now let's talk about Matthew Wolf and that second, that art. I mean, obviously there's sure. an article about Rory, but Matthew Wolf and, you know, I thought the interesting part of it was where he sat on the 17th hole at Augusta, a place everybody. That's right. <laughs> right. That's a great example. Right, right. Everybody would think that if, if you've made the Masters, you know, you, hell, you're happy. That's right. right. That's right. And, like, how can this guy not be happy? Mm-hmm. And he's telling himself that. How can I not be happy here? I'm making millions of dollars playing golf for a living. Something really must be wrong. Right? Yeah. And that's a dangerous spot. Like professional sport or anything, it's filled with challenge and frustration. And that's all normal. But when we assume that when we face that or we feel a certain way that something's wrong with us, it gets really difficult. And this is why you see this a lot. I, I think it's always sort of happened, but it's more, it's talked about more that these young athletes are, are you know, struggling with depression and anxiety, all, all things that normal people struggle with. But I think a lot of it comes from the judgment because they assume that because they have everything going well for them, they should be happy all the time. And that's not how life works. Yeah. So, and then it just sort of trickles down. And then sometimes they're afraid to ask or they're embarrassed to say, well, how could I possibly go get help when I have all these good things? Like nothing, you know, that's not what athletes do or 
high performers do. And so getting that message out is so fantastic. People, well, it's okay to be, to not be okay. There's a, that's you, someone said that, not me, but there's a quote, right? But you, you've obviously listened to me and, and we, we, we talk so much and it, but it's that way for everybody, right? It's, it's been that way. I, I thought the same thing. I mean, last year was in a great place, super nice place, teaching a bunch of good players, all that. But like, man, I had gotten away from doing what I like to do and I wasn't happy. And I mean, hell, I was miserable, right? That's right. But you start, right. but sometimes, but then you'd sit and you'd sit and you'd think to yourself like, well, everybody's going to think I'm crazy if I tell yeah. them I'm miserable because I'm at this really nice place. And I can make a bunch of money, and I'm teaching. And you're teaching all players around good people, and I, and, yeah. and I get to go to all these places all the time, and I do all that. But like, man, like when you you go to bed, I mean, you're you know, it was like, and then you get that feeling where like every week on Friday when the cut line was made, like you judged your worth and how good you were. That's right. So look, and then maybe you have a player that wins or succeeds, and that's great. And then on Monday morning, you're right back at it. So. Here and lies the danger of assuming that success brings happiness. It doesn't. No. In fact, it can be worse because we put all our eggs in one basket, right? We right. delay gratification. We say we'll be happy when we succeed, and then we succeed and we're not happy, and now something's really wrong. And that's a really dangerous place to be. Yeah, I learned that. And I, and I think the more successful people are, the harder it is to say, like, hey, I'm not happy and, I, and this isn't working. Because, like, the majority of people in our, are around will be like, what the hell are you not happy about, right? That's we right. So, right. Then there's the people who judge you, which causes us to judge ourselves. And this right. is why social media is dangerous. Oh, these poor guys making millions of dollars playing golf for a living. What's wrong with them, right? Well, that's just it. Mm -hmm. They're human beings, right? And, and nobody can measure someone's struggle. It's all relative to them. You can't judge someone else's struggle or, or pain that they feel. It, that's not fair. We don't have that ability to do that. So it's great that this message is getting out there. If anything, to normalize the struggle that all of us as humans face. And just because we, we're good at something doesn't mean that we don't, we're immune from that stuff. You know, you take a guy like Bubba Watson, right? So Bubba's been vocal about it and come out, right? Yeah. But like Bubba was one of those guys. And hell, I mean... You know, he would cry at press conferences. Hell, I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody of saying, like, I mean, that was a little odd, right? You know? But, like, you don't sure, know. Sure, but it was new. On, right? That's right. And, and Bubba, right, like, it's a great example, right? I, there was a great article about him in Golf Digest years ago, prior mm -hmm. to, I think, a lot of his success, where he talks about his struggles. And and then he started playing well. Or he accepted mm -hmm. that maybe who he was and that it was okay. You know, work with guys who've struggled with serious issues in their private life and, and who start to get a better understanding of that and, and find some more freedom when they compete. I mean, it's a, the examples are endless. And it, But again, the, the message being that let's not just assume because someone's successful or good at what they do that they're, they're happy, right? So then it teaches the lesson that, well, I have to be successful to be happy. Right. And that's dangerous. So you're right. It, it's, it is a lot going on. And, and with social media and, and these guys are constantly, their lives are sort of out there for everyone to see. It's tough. Those guys, I have a lot of compassion for these guys who have to put their lives out there for everyone to see and then perform. That's really difficult. It's hard enough to go to the course by yourself and play well. Yeah. I found, you know, and, and you see this on tour too with some of these young guys and I've found it in my own life that like 
you know, as you're successful, you have tons of people around you that all act like they're there. They're your friends. Right. And I think you get that. You get kind of a, you know, it's like you feel like you're the most popular guy in the world. Right. Right. And, And but then you but then when you all of a sudden you decide that that's, you know, this isn't you're not happy and this is not what you want to do. Then you find out who your real friends are. Right. You yeah. find out who really is with you and cares about you for you. That's right. Yeah. That's right? right. But I think that's also like uh, a little bit of it. This is speaking for me, not for anybody else. But like there's also part of that that's scary to go through because sometimes you don't want to find out that some people maybe didn't like you. Right. 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 Sure. Yeah. And that's a battle, especially athletes face all the time. Right. Are, they, are there friends that are really their friends or are they friends with them because they're successful? Yeah. Right. And and it's that's a challenge too for those guys, but yeah, I can't say enough good things about these stories that highlight the fact that these guys are humans and female uh, men and women. They're they're high performers. They're human beings prior to them being golfers. Golf is just something they do. You know, let's talk a little. Like you're an aspiring tour player. You're a tour player. You're a coach, a teacher, whatever. You know, and you're going along, and then you you know. You feel like you're, you, you know, I think I always use the word, you feel like you're lost. You just wake up one day and you feel like you're not who you are, you know, right. and and you don't really know how you got there. To me, that's the thing with me is it's always like, you don't really know how you went from A to B. It's like all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're just like, what the fuck is this? You know, right. and like, so when you wake up, they're like, what, what do you do? Like, how do you start getting out of it? How do you start? getting back to being you. Cause I really do. I believe that I know it's kind of like a cliche, but if you get back to who you are and being happy, generally the other things take care of themselves, whether it's success or money or happy or whatever, you know, they seem to follow instead of trying to chase those things. Well, that's a good, yeah, we sort of understand and you put in a perspective, like what does challenge mean, right? Challenge provides an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and, and we feel fulfilled if, when we're able to overcome those challenges, mm-hmm. right? Versus just assuming that everything should be easy because we're good. And so like a lot of my work, I feel like with my clients is not so much to do with let's make you play better. Let's help you understand yourself better so mm-hmm. that you can feel good regardless of the result. And if you remove the fear of a bad result, right? Or the feeling, well, things become a little bit easier to navigate. Mm-hmm. Right. The best calls I get are from guys that say, hey, I didn't play that great today, but man, what an enjoyable round. And those, that does happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and that's those are the best. It's not like when, when you're playing well, things are easy. It's the challenge. And then I always ask kids this question when we start working. Together, Young kids, why do you play? And their answer is always because it's hard. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's never because, oh, I win all the time. Like if you choose golf to be because you like to win, well, you've chosen the wrong sport. Right. Winning doesn't happen a lot, but it, their answer is always because I love, it's just hard. It's a hard game. Mm-hmm. And, but along the way, we forget that. So that challenge is why we play and to put that into perspective. And sometimes we're not going to overcome some challenges. That's okay too. Right. But man, like I said before, you get to the point where you're enjoying the experience. You're enjoying the challenge. And it's not saying, Oh man, this is great. I'm shooting a hundred today. This is the best day of my life. It's, Hey, this, there's there's something wrong in my game that I'm going to overcome or in the way I'm approaching it maybe, and that's going to feel really good regardless of the result. And now when the result is on the back burner, 
it usually ends up being pretty good. No doubt. And and I think, too, that I think there's some comfort in when you know, too, that it's okay to not like it. It's okay to not be happy. It's okay to not, you know, enjoy certain parts of it. Whereas, like, there's this thought, like, you got to love what you do every day. You got to, you know, you're going to win every day. You got to go in every day. I'm going to win the day. I mean, like, it doesn't happen that way. Right. And some days you get up and you're like, fuck, I don't want to go teach this guy, <laughs> you know? Right. And, or you think like I'm at a certain point I'm a, as a player, you know, Oh, I mean, whatever. I, I'm not supposed to not want to do this or I'm not supposed to but like, but, it, but you're like you said earlier, it's your human. It's okay. To yeah. Not, it's okay. You know, and, yeah, and that's why like college golf is tough. I think, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but this, no, no, you're right. So I guess go ahead. Like college golf stuff because these guys are on a schedule. Like you have to go to the range and practice, right? Right. There's days when when you just don't feel like going to the range, and the best thing to do in those moments is to not. But sometimes you don't have that choice, so it can put kids in bad positions. And one, they feel like, well, I should enjoy this. I should be enjoying. It. I'm playing golf in college. Mm-hmm. You don't have to enjoy all this, right? And that's where the judgment starts to, to creep in, and that that's dangerous. That's why I think there's some guys I've known and, and you I work with one, but like they were good college players but not great. Right? Yeah. But then they're way better pros. Because yeah, they like, get they get the freedom to sort of explore for themselves. Right. And do what they want to do and be yeah, happy. And college golf's great. It's part of being a team. It's it's fantastic. But there's some restrictions that some guys struggle with and, and just for them to know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. But not judge yourself for just assuming you have to be plugged into all the stuff you're doing. It's okay. And to me, one of the reasons this discussion is important is because we deal more and more so much of what I do, and you do a lot of it with me, is with junior golfers. And over the last two, three, four years, I've seen more and more young junior golfers experience this and help with this than ever before. And maybe it was there before, Greg, and I just didn't know enough to pay attention, or I didn't think that it was a big deal. But like lots of things with social media and just with life in general, it seems like people are encountering things at a way earlier age than they used to when I was. Sure. Born. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and and I think that this ability to talk about it and one of the reasons that I've, you know, been fortunate to involve you with my juniors and Brett McCabe's been to a couple of my retreats before. And, but like, I think it's important that I think it's important that we get this message out and not from a performance of helping them shoot 65 over 70, but helping them understand what we've talked about today at an earlier age when they're 15, 16 years old. For sure. Rather than waiting until they're 24. Oh, yeah. And it becomes a huge problem. That's right. And, and that judgment just continues to build. and It's harder to sort of get away from it. But, again, that's, that's my objective with a lot of these, you know, these younger kids who work with is to, uh, help them understand themselves a little bit better and understand putting things in perspective, right? And enjoying the challenge and know that there's human beings. And that's a really important message. And to not be afraid to, to reach out if you need some help discussing some of this stuff. Yeah. No, no. Right? I, I think that's, I think that's a big deal. And I think yeah. feeling like you have somebody People always ask me, and, and I'm using you as an example. Like, why? You know, why do you like Greg so much? I'm like, one, he puts up with me, but two, <laughs> like, I think the most important thing is having somebody that is easy to talk to, yeah. and it also feels like you're not going to judge somebody, right? 
before, right. I think you would always feel like I would always feel like earlier in my you'd feel like whatever you're going to say to the person, they might judge it. So you wouldn't necessarily really say exactly what you think or feel because you didn't right. want the judgment. Right? Absolutely. That's a stigma that, you know, counseling or therapy or sports psych is always sort of faced, right? Like, oh, I'm going to go in and talk to this guy and tell him about all my problems. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit on the couch and have him, like, psychoanalyze me. And, and it's not. It's not what the work is. It's just having conversations so they help them understand themselves a little bit better. And knowing that what they're experiencing, regardless of what it is, is normal under the human condition. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And, uh, to assume, right, like we assume we see these people like Tiger Woods, who, who uh, we assume is, you know, mentally tough and, and blocks out all the distractions and doesn't experience any adversity. Well, maybe the best example of all, mm-hmm. right, of who was facing some real-life struggles and got some help and figured things out. You know, the greatest athlete, arguably, of all time, right, who, who a whole generation developed uh, golfers trying to aspi- aspiring to try to be like him, right? And to understand that you've got to find your own way and find what works for you. And that yeah. all the stuff you experience along the way, it's okay, as long as you're not going to judge yourself. Right. Or want to be like somebody else. And, and that, gets, that brings it back full circle to the original conversation about Rory, right? Let's try to be better. Let's try to be like somebody else. Let's swing like, like that person. Or let's mm-hmm. think like this person. Versus let's know that what I'm thinking and feeling and how I'm playing is, is, is enough. Yeah. Just try to improve yourself. Be That's yourself. Right. And I'm not better. saying don't put in the work and, and experiment and, and go to the range and, and try different stuff. But to know that you're doing it to find what's best for you not incorporating things that have worked for others and just assuming that it's the right way for me. Which I think transfers all the way down through instruction with everything. Everybody that everybody has these, you know, they try to force people with talent into doing everything's got to be done X a certain way. Right. It's like, if the club's here, you can't play if the club's there or whatever it is. Sure. You know, you know, and I think that, uh, I think the best thing that we can do is, is help people get better, it being themselves and figuring right. out like, especially like with good young players, I like trying to help them figure out, you know, Bill Harmon said this to me once at Frederica doing a camp like that. His dad always taught him to look at like, why was the player already good and figure out why it worked. Yeah. Right? right. What made you good? Which is different than most of us teachers. Look at, we look at everything like, why is this kid not as good or person not as good as they should be? And they go fix things. And, uh, but like that made sense to me. Like, I think we should be trying to figure out why this kid's good and what can we help them get better at doing within themselves to make them reach their potential instead of just changing everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think that's, you know, that's where the problems start thinking that we have, we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something. prevalent. I think there's lots of it is. There. Yeah. And that's normal. And that, that's sort of the, also like we, we want to always get better, which is fine, but maybe we're not doing it the right way. Well, I think social media makes it worse because you have, you have every teacher, every play, every person in the world puts up every day. Yeah. What they're doing to make you like, that's right. You know, I, I, you know, I rolled out of bed one day and I looked and I was like, I mean, I looked at a teacher and he, he'd already done 22 things. And I'm like, I'd eat three donuts and a Coke. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm behind. (laughs) It is. And and that's right. That's all. That's all that's portrayed is all the, 
good stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Rarely is it documented the struggles that that good athletes face too, and how they overcome those. That's why I think it's so good that we have this discussion for teachers, for players, and for juniors, and we we expose as many juniors and people to this as it can. Because you know, if it helps one person do a little better. It's been yeah. worth it, or right? feel a little better, right? And yeah, I think that's that's the, yeah, that's what I mean. By being line. better for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell clients, right, I can't tell you what to think or change what you think. I don't have that power. But helping you understand what you think is okay goes a long way. Yeah, and it's okay. That's Whatever right. it's you okay. Think. That's right. As long as you don't think it's wrong. Right. And that, right. that's a really powerful message. Yeah. Doc, it's been awesome. This has been maybe yeah, the best, best one we've done. A little serious, more serious note than we usually are with two glasses right. of wine and tequila. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> I thought it would no, be awful tough to do it that way at 10 in the morning coming out of surgery. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, thanks. One, thanks for sitting in and sharing. Thanks for all the help to all our players and students. And thanks for always being there for me and being a friend. And I look forward. I know we got lots of good stuff planned. We're going to be at Panama City together in a few weeks. Yeah, and uh, sure. and we're going to be down in South Florida some together over the winter. So a lot of fun stuff ahead. Absolutely. Glad you're feeling better and on the mend. And uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up on the road soon. 